0: No doubt one of the most popular hymns that has ever been written is C. Austin Miles' Hymn in the Garden. One day, as Miles read John chapter 20, his heart was deeply moved by the scene of Mary as she talked with Jesus in the Garden. Miles later said, I thought to myself, this is not an experience limited to a happening almost 2,000 years ago he realized with great force in his heart that he, as well as every believer, could enjoy such fellowship and such communion with the Lord. Miles that evening wrote, And he talks with me, and he walks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Another songwriter has well expressed it. There's nothing like sweet communion, sweet communion with Jesus. There's nothing like sweet communion with Him. When we fellowship with Jesus, with His manna He feeds us, there's nothing like sweet communion with Him. As we continue looking at the story of Ruth, we find her enjoying sweet communion with Boaz. Consider with me what Ruth chapter 2 verses 14 through 17 say. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime, come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. In these four verses, we see Ruth growing in her knowledge of Boaz. She is becoming more acquainted with him and drawing closer to him. As we have stated previously, Boaz is a type of Christ, and Ruth is a type of a believer. And just as Ruth was growing in knowledge of Boaz and drawing closer to him, we believers should be doing the same with Jesus. This knowing and drawing closer to Christ was expressed by Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. There he says that I may know him. Paul was expressing the goal and passion of his life in that statement. Knowing Christ is what spiritual growth is all about. It is becoming more acquainted with Christ. It is getting closer to the Lord. Communion and fellowship with Christ is an essential step in this process and in the matter of spiritual growth. As we think about this fellowship... First, think with me of the special privilege of communion. No doubt all of us as we look back can think of people that we were really blessed to know and fellowship with. Maybe it was a mentor, a close friend, or some other important person. Yet there has been no greater blessing or privilege than to fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our fellowship with the Lord Jesus is a glorious privilege. We read in Ruth chapter 2, verse 14, And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither. Boaz was inviting Ruth to eat lunch with her. Ruth, a gleaner in the field, was getting the privilege of eating with the owner of the field. Many years ago, During the Camp David peace talks under President Carter, there was a sixth grader that was given an unusual privilege. His teacher had challenged her class to write to someone famous and see if they could get a reply. Because of the peace talks, the name of President Begin of Israel was frequently heard. So this little boy wrote President Begin. To his surprise, he not only received a reply, but an invitation to come to Israel and spend the week. For one week, this little boy had the privilege of spending that entire week with a national and international leader. You know, when I read that story, I could not help but think of the great privilege I have of spending each day with the greatest leader, the greatest figure that history has ever known we have the privilege of fellowshipping with the Lord Jesus Christ. What if tomorrow there was a knock at your door, and when you opened it, there was the postman with a registered letter for you? You signed for it, and as you did, you noticed that in the left-hand corner of the envelope were the words, The White House. When you opened the letter, you found that it was a personal invitation from the President of the United States to come and spend a few days with him. I believe I know what you would do. After the rest of the family picked you up from the floor, you would be on the phone calling everyone you know. Guess what? I got an invitation from the President to visit the White House. You would call every newspaper and radio station in town. You would be beside yourself with excitement. Yet we have the glorious privilege of visiting with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords anytime we want. And we don't even need an invitation. We have an open invitation to visit and fellowship with Almighty God. The writer of Hebrews in chapter four, verse sixteen says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. So we have the glorious privilege of having fellowship with Jesus Christ. But our fellowship with Jesus is also a gracious privilege. What had Ruth done to receive this invitation? Absolutely nothing. Yet she had the privilege of eating with Boaz. I think of the Jewish high priest that had the glorious privilege of entering into the holy place on the Day of Atonement. What a glorious privilege! Yet we must never forget it was a gracious privilege. He could have never entered into the holy place without the blood of a sacrifice. His access was undeserved by him, but per- His access was undeserved by Him, but provided for in another. In like manner, our access to the Father is provided by another. Hebrews 10.19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Our access to the Father is unlimited, but we must never forget it is undeserved. Carl Sandburg, in his great autobiography of Abraham Lincoln, tells the story of Lincoln's little boy, Tad. Tad had a speech impediment from a cleft palate. Because of his impediment, his father had a special love and kindness for him and would give him just about anything he wanted. One day, a group of frontiersmen had come from Kentucky to see the president. When they arrived, they had problems gaining access to see President Lincoln. As they were standing outside the grounds of the White House, they were half cursing and saying to themselves, Old Abe won't see us. Little Tad heard them and said, Would you like to see old Abe? You can see him. Tad went in and said, Papa, there are some friends of mine outside that want to see you. President Lincoln said, Any friends of yours are friends of mine. Bring them on in. Tad Lincoln brought in the men who had been trying for over a week to see the President, and he introduced them. Listen, we have access to our Heavenly Father through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a glorious privilege, but we must never forget that it is a gracious privilege. We don't have access because we deserve it, but because we know the Son of God, and because of Him, we have access and fellowship. Secondly, when we look at this fellowship and communion, we see the specific purpose of communion. Communion with God is not only a privilege, it is also a prerequisite. Spurgeon said, the most healthy state for a Christian is that of unbroken and intimate fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in Rue's case why fellowship with God is a necessity in the Christian life. First, This communion with the Lord is needful for replenishing the depleted life. Notice when Boaz invited Ruth to eat with him. In verse 14, we see that it was at mealtime. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. This mealtime was around noon. It's what we would call a lunch break. They had worked in the field all morning, reaping and gleaning was hard, back breaking work as one had to constantly bend over as they worked. And it was hot and sweaty work as they labored under the hot sun. Mealtime was a time of rest, a time to sit down, eat, and replenish oneself for the rest of the day. You see, serving God is a matter of giving and giving and giving. Giving of time and giving of self. But what many fail to realize is that one who gives and gives must somewhere take in to make up what has been given out. Never in history have we heard more about burnout, stress, and mental, physical, and emotional breakdowns. We are a lot like one lady that went to her doctor. He asked what was wrong. She said, I feel run down. So after he examined her, he said, Lady, you're not run down. You're too wound up. For many people, it is both a case of being run down and wound up. We need to take a bit of advice from the instructions given for a grandfather clock. Don't let it run down and don't wind it too tight. I believe the biggest reason why folks are burning out and burning up instead of burning on is there has been no meal time with Jesus. The Baptist evangelist Vance Habner once said, If we don't come apart, we will come apart. He also made this wise observation There is no work that is more likely to crowd out the quiet hour with God than the very work that draws strength from that quiet hour. We need to get away and get alone and fellowship with Jesus to replenish our depleted strength. Jesus took time to get alone and fellowship with the Father. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, it says, And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, He was there alone. If Jesus needed to get alone in fellowship with the Father, then so too do we. As someone has well said, Our Master never asked of us so heavy labor as shall leave us no leisure for sitting at His feet. If we are not careful, we can forget the importance and value of fellowship with the Lord. Remember the story of the two sisters, Mary and Martha? Martha was busy preparing the meal for the guest while Mary was listening to Jesus. Martha got annoyed that her sister was not helping her and complained to Jesus asking Him to order Mary to help her. And do you remember Jesus' words to Martha? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Look, Jesus was not saying that work and especially serving Him is not important, but there must be a time when we fellowship with the Lord, when we listen to what He is saying to us. Time with God is essential. Like Ruth, we need to draw near and eat of the heavenly bread and drink of the heavenly vinegar to restore the strength that has been expended in service. We also see that this communication is needful for receiving the divine life. Listen to what verse 14 of Ruth chapter 2 says, "...and she sat beside the reapers and he reached her parched corn." Boaz not only invited Ruth to eat with him, but he shared his own food with her he gave her parched corn now there is a very special meaning and symbolism in those words parched corn the history of israel can be divided into 3 periods egypt the wilderness and canaan they were brought out of egypt which symbolizes a sinner being saved and brought out of the world they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years those 40 years symbolizes a carnal believer It speaks of someone who has been saved, but never goes much further in the Christian life. They are brought out, but not brought in. Finally, after the 40 years, the nation of Israel was brought into Canaan, which is a type of the victorious life. It is living in resurrection power. By that, I mean it is living in the same power of God that resurrected Jesus Christ. It is a life where one is the conqueror rather than being the conquered. It is the experiencing of the divine life that enables the devout life. Now, each of these three stages of Israel's history can be described by a particular kind of food. In Egypt, the Hebrew people ate leeks, onions, and garlic. This is the food of the world. In the wilderness, they ate manna. This is heavenly food provided by the Lord. But we read in Joshua chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, that after... They crossed the Jordan into Canaan. They did eat of the old corn of the land, unleavened cakes and parched corn. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. Parched corn was the food of Canaan. And that parched corn symbolized the food of a victorious life. Look, folks, fellowship with God is essential for it is in this time of communion that we receive from Him that which enables us to live victoriously. Boaz, a type of Christ, offered Ruth parched corn. That parched corn symbolized the food necessary for a victorious spiritual life. Someone has written, Canaan possessors safe in the land, victors, confessors, banner in hand, Jordan's deep river evermore behind, Cares of the desert no longer in mind. Egypt's stigma rolled away. Canaan's corn our strength and stay. The Christian life is the Christ life. For the Christian, the life that is required on the earth is a life that is received from heaven. In fellowship, the Lord gives us the parched corn of the divine life. In fellowship, He gives us His power, His strength, and His resources to enable us to serve Him. We also see that this communion was needful for retaining the delightful life. Again, notice verse 14 where it says, "...and she did eat and was sufficed." The word sufficed means to be full or to be satisfied. Ruth had had her needs met and she was satisfied. David said in Psalm 16, verse 11, In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Why do many believers lose their joy? One reason could be that they have not been spending time with Jesus. The missionary Adnara Judson wrote in his diary, I have this day attained more than ever to what I suppose Christians mean by the enjoyment of God. I have had pleasant seasons at the throne of God. Oh, may we learn the valuable lesson of spending time with the Lord. Lastly, think with me of the spiritual prophet of communion. After lunch, Ruth went back to work. But she found her work different after she had spent time with Boaz. She had worked earlier and no doubt did okay. But after her time with Boaz, her work in the field was greatly blessed. One of the greatest lessons that those who serve God can learn is that worship must proceed work. Worship must come to the way Now, I'm not talking in terms of time or order events. It would be silly to say, well, I can't do anything for the Lord on Saturday because I have not been to church on Sunday. What I'm saying is that worship must be first in priority and in attitude. And it should be the first thing we do each morning before we go forth to do any kind of work. We should fellowship and commune with the Lord before we start the activities of the day. You can serve God energetically without worship, but you cannot serve God effectively without worship. Let me repeat that. A Christian can serve God energetically without worship, but they cannot serve God effectively without worship. Those who are always doing something for God without taking time to be with God may be busy for God, but they will not be blessed of God. Notice how Ruth's work in the field changed after she spent time with Boaz. You see, her communion resulted in effective service. Notice verse 15, And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. Boaz said to his workers, Do not do anything to hurt her or hinder her. Boaz saw to it that she could work effectively without any hindrance. If we want our work for God to be effective, we must spend time with God. God will bless with liberty and service and for service those who fellowship with Him. God will bless with liberty and service those who fellowship with Him. I have often heard people say something was hindering the service today. Maybe the hindrance was the lack of time spent with Jesus. Communion also resulted in encouraging service. Notice verse 16, And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them, that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Boaz told his workers to drop some handfuls of grain on purpose. I can see Ruth as she is gleaning behind the reapers, picking up what they missed, picking up a little here and a little there. Suddenly, she comes upon this huge handful of barley. Wow! She says to herself, Yahoo! Hey, you drop this! And nobody turns around. The workers keep going on like they can't even hear her. So she says, Well, praise God! I'll keep it then. I am sure her heart beat harder and faster as she came upon one handful after another. Notice verse 17. "...So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley." The volume of what she picked up amounted to an ephah. An ephah was ten times as much as the children of Israel gathered a manna for each day while they were in the wilderness. In other words... Ruth gathered enough grain for at least 10 days of food. Instead of going home with an armful, she went home with a basketful. I can only imagine how her heart leaped with joy over the blessings she had experienced. But folks, what Ruth experienced can and should be our experience as well. As we fellowship and commune with the Lord, as we worship Him daily, He will bless our labors and graciously give us bountiful results for our efforts. Those who work in God's field along the way, He sends those encouraging handfuls on purpose. You pick up a little here and a little there and you get to thinking, I'm not getting much done. My life is fruitless and my ministry is so powerless then God gives you a handful on purpose to encourage your heart. If you want to serve without hindrance and reap effectively, spend time with Jesus. Remember Paul's words in Philippians 3.10, that I may know Him. You know what follows that? That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Now the order of Paul's words there in Philippians 3.10 is not an accident. As you get to know the Lord through sweet fellowship and communion, then you come to know and experience God's power at work in your life. His power at work in us and His power enabling and empowering our work for Him. And that is, at least in part, what Jesus meant when He told His disciples, Abide in Me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in Me. So are you abiding in Christ? Do you have daily fellowship and communion with the Lord? Do you spend time alone with Him, just fellowshipping and worshiping Him? It is from that fellowship that we draw our strength to live a victorious life and to effectively labor for Him. Do you remember the experience of Moses when he spent time in the presence of the Lord? When he left the Lord's presence, his face glowed. In fact, it was frightening to the Hebrew people. And so he put a veil over his face. He glowed from being in the presence of the Lord. You and I, we need to glow for the Lord if we are going to labor for the Lord. And it is in His presence where we get that glow.